Flight delays and cancellations are not something that's especially uncommon today. It seems to be happening more and more that if you're going to take a flight, there is going to be a delay and even a possible cancellation. Reagan National Airport in D.C. has known them just as we have here in, in New York City and those probably are just watching all over the world. They're just about as common as any other airport, those that are at Reagan International Airport. But it was this cancellation of this JetBlue flight that was supposed to be a short flight from D.C. that was going to go to JFK um, recently. And why it was canceled really caught my attention. Um, it wouldn't normally be surprising of a canceled flight. It would just, once again, be just part of the norm. But what was interesting was that raised the attention of the passengers is what happened when the gate agent came on the intercom and told the entire flight that your flight is canceled today, and this is what I quote, because the pilots are tapped out. That's what it said. They, no mechanical issues, no weather issues, no air traffic delays in New York City. They were just too tapped out. And that was it. Flights canceled and they had to wait until the next day. That, that phrase is actually in the dictionary and it means this, that there's nothing left to give. The tank is on empty and all the resources are exhausted. I get it. I got it. And it's easy for any one of us to feel that way, to understand when you feel exhausted that there is nothing left inside of you to give that you don't even want to fly a plane anymore, but it, you know it gets serious when it moves into doing life and what God has called us to do, and you feel all, all resources are exhausted. I have, I have faced those days at times. And I was, remember this last week, it was just a, a tough day. I was walking from our offices over into the sanctuary to take care of something. And I even asked the staff member, I said, why don't you walk with me as we're going to the sanctuary? I said, I just need encouragement because if that front door is open, I'm running out that front door immediately because I'm tapped out. But, but, but it could happen to any one of us. But that's why I'm telling you, we are always believing. When someone asks me, how are you doing? Strength to strength, faith to faith, and glory to glory. It's the only thing we have sometimes. I was reading the story of what churches, uh, the unrealistic expectations that churches sometimes look for in a pastor that literally can bring to, to pastors and ministry to be tapped out. It was this this funny story that says that this one church wanted a pastor that preaches exactly 20 minutes, that he can condemn sin but doesn't offend anyone. He works from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. in every type of work. He knows how to preach, to be a secretary. He keeps the books and he does the custodial work. He will make $60 a week, but he has to tithe $100 a week to the church. He has to wear the latest clothes, and but yet be modest. He has to buy books but have a great marriage, well-behaved children, and must be present at all church events and his family events. He, this is the one I love. He, he must be 26 years old and preaching for 30 years. He is tall, short, thin, and heavyset and handsome. He has one brown eye and one blue eye. Hair parted in the middle. The left side is dark. The other side is gray and wavy. 
He has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends all of his time with the senior citizens. He smiles all the time, but has a straight face. He spends all of his time evangelizing the unchurched, but is never out of the office. And then it ends with this. Unfortunately, this one burnt himself out and died at age 32. Tapped out. Because you can't do everything. It's, it's amazing to me. Talk about being worn out. Ladies, this is a great thing for you to know. That right before we get to Proverbs 31 and read about the amazing characteristics of what we call in the church the Proverbs 31 woman, it's interesting to read about the Proverbs 30 man um, to contrast the Proverbs 31 woman, this Proverbs 31 woman who is relentless um, in all that she does and industrious. This is the Proverbs 30 man. Look how Proverbs 31 starts. I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out. That's what it says about the man says in chapter 30. And it's so easy. What he was saying was, it's not just for pilots. It's not just for pastors. All of us have felt this way. It's not just canceling flights. But we're thinking to ourselves that we're, that we're even wondering, do we cancel marriage? Do we cancel having kids? Do we cancel? All these things come. Do we cancel living in New York City because of the demands that constantly come and that we're always having to face? I was, I was reading this just the other day and realized why I was so tired. This is what it says. In a 24-hour period, if, though this happens to everyone that's sitting here, if you're an, an, an adult of average weight, here is what happens to you in 24 hours. Let me just read 10 of them. It says your heart will beat 103,000 times every 24 hours. Your blood travels 168 million miles. You breathe 23,000 times in 24 hours. Exhale 438 cubic feet of air every 24 hours. You eat three and a half pounds of food every day. Some more, some less. You drink three quarts of liquid every day. You lose about a pound of waste. You speak 4,800 words every 24 hours. You move 750 muscles and you exercise 7 million brain cells in just 24 hours. No wonder we're all tired. And that's just being human, let alone putting on top of that your job and parenting and marriage and ministry and whatever your life has. There's always this moment that wants you to tap out, to, to begin to be depleted. And there is a portion of scripture that people wanted to tap out in, but God gave them hope. It brought hope to my heart this week and filled me up. And I needed this passage. In fact, it was good news for everyone who is tired and worn out. It was a passage of scripture that I have to tell you it's one of the most encouraging portions of scripture, and it was a response to a weary man's honest question. It's, it's, we read it, but forget that when I read the passage, it will become familiar, but we have forgotten that it was a response to a question of a group of people that just said, I can't get on that flight. I can't do this anymore. I don't know if God even cares. And if you're ready to give up, I'm telling you, I've got good news. If you're exhausted, I've got good news for you today. If you feel like you have lost strength to even continue on, I want to tell you something. I've got good news for you today. Here, I want to read to you Isaiah's answer. And then I'll come back to the question of what 
of why Isaiah wrote this, because it is a response to, to, the, to the people that have just said, we can't go on anymore. But I want to read to you his answer. Here's the answer before we get to the question. This is what Isaiah said. Listen to these words. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard Isaiah 40, 28? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And then he says this, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, hallelujah, he increases strength. And then he continues on, even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. And here it comes. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. And thank God, they will walk and not faint. Thank God for that today. Hallelujah. You know, I want to just pause for a second because there's three words that he says over and over again and chooses to use the word weary instead of tired. Because there is a difference between the word weary and tired. Three different times he speaks about being weary, about being weary. And it's such an important word because, because he begins to delineate why this is so important to understand. See, the word tired deals with the body and deals with sleep. It's the physical depletion. But weariness is a state of depletion of body, soul, and spirit. See, if you're just tired, then, then you go and spend money on a sleep mattress number nine. But that's not what he's saying here. Because you, you wouldn't need verse 31 about waiting on the Lord to renew your strength. But this is deeper than that. He calls it weariness. He calls it when we run out of the, the internal resources to, to meet the needs and the demands. It's a great reminder for us of who Isaiah is speaking to. Think about it. Who is Isaiah speaking to? Here it comes. The people that are weak, the faint, the weary, and those who utterly fall. These are the people. This is the, those that, are, that get that verse about, about mounting up with wings as eagles. These aren't the all-stars. This isn't the, the A-team. These are the people that really are struggling. And these verses are for those who are ready to give up. And Isaiah says, you don't have to. So, so we understand we are given these verses because weary believers, weary people started to question God. And even God, just even caring about them. Listen, so the verses that I read to you started in 28, ended with eagles mounting up, being like eagles and running and not, and not fainting and, and walking and not, I'm sorry, running and not being weary and walking and not fainting. But it was all the response to this question. Listen to it in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Here was the verse right before it. He says, oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles? He says, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? See, the people of God were saying this, God doesn't see us and God is ignoring us. Think of that for just a second. That was the response to that question of a group of people that feels like, where is God in the midst of what I'm going through? Where is his fingerprints? Where are his actions? I feel like I'm going through this all alone. He's ignoring us or he doesn't even see what I'm facing in my apartment, in my country. 
Some of you that may be here today, maybe going back to your own home country, and this was a little respite for you, but you have to face life. You're going to have to get back on a plane. You're going to have to, to land in that city that you, that you are visiting New York from. And you've got to, you have to begin to go, God, I can't do this on my own. And I think there's hope for you today. The reason why I think this comes in the book of Isaiah, give me three minutes just to tell you and, and just the background of the book of Isaiah. Some call it first and second Isaiah because the first half deals with a certain section of their history and then the second half deals with another part of their history. They say that the first Isaiah, Isaiah 1 through 39, Isaiah the prophet writes to, uh, to Israel that a future judgment is coming. They're going to be conquered. They're going to be brought into captivity in Babylon. Judgment is coming. But when you get from chapter 40, where we read today and on, they are in captivity. They're, in, they're being led by a nation. They're ungodly people that are, that are, that are leading their lives ungodly decisions that go totally against what they believe that God has called them to do and, and what they believe to be truth. And now they're living under an ungodly government system called Babylon. And from 40 all the way up into 66, it is Isaiah prophesying hope while they're in captivity. While they're living, they're believing in that captivity that, that God has ignored them. God doesn't see them. And Isaiah is starting this second part of his prophecy to go, God is there. And folks, if I can say this to you, it is God giving hope in the midst of the most difficult times for their nation. And I believe this is not just a word for Israel. This is a word for us today. It is a word that God is going, there is hope, even though ungodly decisions are being made. Even though there, is, there seems to be attacks against anything that would preach truth or preach the word of God, that there is hope today. And folks, let's just be honest. These are stressful times. Stressful times. I was thinking about this word stress, and when I think of that, it comes because stress is that gap between the demands that are placed on us and the strength that we have or the resources we have to meet those demands. It, it, on one side, you have deadlines and responsibilities and workloads and, on, and, and parenting and, and, and being a spouse. And on the other side, you have limited time, limited energy, limited money, limited resources, but yet you've got to meet everybody's expectations. You've got to meet the expectation, whether it's of a professor or a, or a supervisor, of the expectations of a child, the expectations of a spouse, and sometimes we're watching in the society and the world that we live in, the chasm between the two seems to be widening every day. We used to think that it only existed in adults with all the responsibilities from, that, that, that an adult faces, but now it is hitting young people today. Young people are faced with, with so much stress. I, I was talking to somebody and learned a new phrase. This wasn't the phrase, but I had an old friend that I grew up with that we grew in the ministry together, and he told me he's an empty nester. I know what that means, that all the children that he raised and, um, and that, that, that were born to him have gone off to college and are now married and are building their own lives. And, and, and listening to that, I, I realized that, that he felt the freedom. But I learned a new phrase this week, um, which is the opposite of empty nester. It's called the re-feathered nest syndrome. 
It's all the young people that left your home now coming back to your home because they can't make it out there without mom and dads. Don't just keep looking straight ahead and don't look at your children right now. They say that 50% of 18 to 34 year olds are still at home because of the refeathered nest. Because folks, it is difficult out there to walk out there and to try to face this. And it's not a sin to face obstacles and stress, but it is a sin to ignore God's prescription where freedom can come from. And folks, let me just be real clear. The only prescription to fix the chasm and the gap is God himself. It's the only thing that can fix that. And Isaiah 40 speaks to people that have no chance, no chance to deal with the gap between the demands and the resources. No chance. And the only thing big enough to fill that gap that they're experiencing, that's causing this anxiety, that's causing hopelessness in God-fearing people is God himself. And they have thought he is ignoring them. He doesn't see them. I, I, I think if there's ever a gap that needs God to fill it, it is one of our TSC Connect groups. I was so excited as they're launching TSC directory in the Connect groups today. One of the ones that, that a, a testimony that was sent to me was there's a huge gap and it's called our TSC Prodigal Connect group. These are moms and dads and grand, grandparents that bring their children. They talk about children that have walked away from the Lord, wayward sons and daughters and grandsons and nieces and nephews. And these, this Connect group um, begins to meet to pray for those children, that God would bring them back to faith, that God would work a miracle inside their lives. Boy, talk about a connect group that we need, but let's understand something. That gap between what those parents are praying and where those children are at, that's a huge gap. And the only one that can make that gap closer is a miracle from God himself. It's the only thing that can happen. I have to read to you one of the stories that just was sent to us from that connect group. Um, of, of one of these parents that gave us permission that, that, that lost all, that seems that, that thought, what can we do for our daughter that we feel like we have, we, we have no way to bridge the gap unless God steps in. Let me read this to you. It said, a few months ago, a couple in our group were in their daughter's house. So this is a couple that's in the prodigal connect group. We were in our daughter's house and saw on her kitchen calendar in big letters, these three letters, PPH. And because, the, 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 the father said, because I used to be pro-choice, I knew that PPH represented Planned Parenthood and that my daughter was planning to have an abortion. He said, I asked their daughter about her appointment and she confirmed she was planning to have an abortion. So now the dad is now fighting for the life of his grandchild. He shared this with the group, uh, praying for prodigals. And he said, we all fasted and prayed and believed God for a miracle that that baby would live and their daughter change her mind. Folks, only God can step in and take care of this. So let me read to you what happened. Here's what they wrote in big letters. Jesus answered prayer. He said, our daughter did go to Planned Parenthood, but she didn't have an abortion. She now has another doctor, and we as the grandparents are showing our daughter love and support. 
our daughter just had a gender reveal party and our connect group are excited to meet our new granddaughter, which is due in January. And then they said this, only Jesus could do this. She said, thank you, Jesus, for saving this child. And now we are praying that one day this child is going to be dedicated to Jesus at Times Square Church. And we're going to believe. I can't wait for that day that we see that precious baby that is a miracle that only God could have stepped in because God gets the glory when our resources are gone and we're thinking, how do we fix this? Only God could step in and do that. God has to fill the stress gap of these parents fighting for a granddaughter to live. And when you go back to Isaiah chapter 40, before Israel can come to a wrong conclusion on their question, Isaiah jumps in and prophesies. This is important because Isaiah begins to hear the question. God ignores us. God doesn't see us. And before they can conclude with atheism or conclude with bitterness towards God, immediately the prophecy comes in in verse 29. That this is why it's so important. Questions are not, are not wrong, but conclusions without God speaking, that's what's wrong. And all of a sudden, the prophet Isaiah prophesies these most encouraging verses. It's a response to frustrated people. In fact, just before we just kind of give you just two thoughts with this, I want to read the plainness of this before we get to the prescription of it. The plainness, I love the way that the message begins just to kind of make it real in today's language. Let me just read this to you. You'll see it on the screen. It just simply says this. He says, why would you ever complain, Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Look what Isaiah says. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go, but God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired, doesn't pause, I like this, to catch his breath. He knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to drop out. For even young people tire out and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. Here it comes. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired and they walk, hallelujah, and they don't lag behind. And I'm believing today is going to be really a strength exchange that God is going to do something special. So let me just give you two quick thoughts. Here they come because I think this is God's prescription to the weary. Remember what the difference between weary and tired. Weary means I am depleted body, soul, and spirit. Weariness being different than tired. Here they come. Here are the two, two things I want to talk to you that I think that Isaiah says. He says this. Remember one who God is and remember to just walk. Just walk the Christian life. Just walk. And I'll get to that in a second. Let's do the first one. This, is, this, is, this one excites me. He says this. Remember who God is. Chapter 40 begins at a time when Israel is in captivity. The people are discouraged and they don't even think that God cares. And the only way for there to be hope at the end of the chapter that we've read is Isaiah started to speak about God from verse 1 through verse 28. 
What's amazing, 28 verses about God out of the 31 verses. 90% of this chapter is God talk. Great ratio to us to remember when we're going through those difficult times. Let me think about God. Let me talk about God. This is the answer to really what the, the challenges that we face. Let me tell you what Isaiah immediately does for those that are weary, for those that are depleted, for those that are just worn out, and for those that want to give up. Isaiah does this. Let me read it to you, starting in verse 9. He just says this. Here is your God. He puts God right in the forefront. He says, if you're weary, if you want to give up, let me tell you about God. Here he is. And that's what I want to do for you, Times Square Church. I want to just go to you. Here is your God. And look what he says. Behold, the Lord will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And then he says this. Notice, I want you to see, he, 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 God gets so tender and then God is going to get so vast. Tender in verse 11. Like a shepherd, he'll tend his flock. In his arm, he'll gather his lambs. Look how tender, carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead the nursing ewes. That's so amazing. And then all of a sudden, you go from tenderness to vastness. Here it comes. But it's also God who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, marked off the heavens by the span, calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales. This is amazing to me because he was reminding us of the tenderness of God, but also, church, don't miss this, the greatness of God. He was saying, I want you to understand, he does care about you, but just because he cares, you have to understand this. You need verse 11 and you need verse 12. Verse 11 says, he sees you and he cares. But verse 12 says, and he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I, I don't just need a tender God. I need an all-powerful God. I don't just need a God who goes, hey, I see you. I have a lot of people who goes, hey, bro, I feel for you. Feeling for me doesn't help me. I need it. Anybody ever feel that before? Going like, hey, I feel bad. I was going like, feeling bad. I got that covered. I got the feeling bad about me all covered. I don't need more people feeling bad about me. I need people to go like, I feel bad and I can fix it. That's verse 11 and 12. Verse 11, God goes, hey, I got you. Like a nursing mother. I got you in my bosom. I got you. I'll tenderly care for you. And just in case you don't, you don't confuse this, just because I care and feel what's going on, let me tell you how powerful I am. That's what, why verse 12 is so important. So he cares in verse 11, but he can do something about it in verse 12. So Times Square Church, here's your God who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by a span. Isaiah tells Israel, when you're faced with that gap, that big demand, no resources, he goes, I want you to remember God's hand. I want you to remember the hand of God. Let me tell you how incredible Times Square Church, your God is. Listen, those in person, those online, here is your God using Isaiah's words. Okay, follow with me now. This is important. Do you understand that two-thirds of our planet is covered in water? Two-thirds between oceans and lakes and rivers. Two-thirds. 
Some oceans, they say, go six miles deep. The total volume of water on planet Earth, they say, is incalculable for any measurement. They can't even figure it out, okay? And here it comes. Here it comes. Isaiah goes, let me remind you how powerful he is. He doesn't just care. He can fix it. So here it goes. Take your hand and hold it out and just make a little cup. Go ahead and do that. They say that's the hollow of your hand. Okay, look at it. And Isaiah says, Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, Mississippi, Great Lakes, every body of water on the planet, God goes, I hold it in that little spot right there. He says, if you're ever wondering if I'm big enough, he says, just do this. And he says, you'll realize the God we serve doesn't just care, but the God we serve, hallelujah, is all powerful. And if he can, if his hand, church, if that hand can hold every body of water on this planet, then I'm telling you that same hand can take care of any situation you are faced with today. He goes, God, he goes, just remind yourself, none of it is too big for God. None of it is. That's why I love what Max Lucado says about prayer. He said, the power of prayer is not the one who prays it. The power of prayer is the one who hears it. The one that holds all the waters in the hollow of his hand. I mean, think about this. Just remember your God that said sometimes it may work once in a while. If, when, when we're being led in worship, kind of maybe worship with the hollows. Worship and go like, when I don't know what to do, oh God, you got it all in the hollow of your hand. And then he doesn't even stop there. This even gets even better. You ready for this? He said, who has measured the waters every ocean in the hollow of his hand, and then says this, and marked off the heavens by a span. Okay, stay with me now. We, the heavens, are measured by a span. We can't measure the size of the universe from one side to the other. Impossible. Science can't even do it. We do know that the nearest star Alpha Centauri is four and a half light years away. What does that mean? That means the nearest star is 26 trillion miles. That's the closest star, 26 trillion miles away. This is what they say. How far is that, Pastor Tim? Is that like from here to the Jersey Shore? No. Let me tell you how far that is. They said if you were to drive New York style, you were to drive, you can get there in 73,000 years. Some faster than others. 73,000 years it would take you to get there. And that, folks, that's not the end of the universe. That's just the nearest star. And, and we're told there are billions of stars. I'm talking about the closest one. So how big is our universe? Okay. Here it comes. This is what he says. He says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span. Okay, you know the hollow. 
Let's do the span. Hold your hand out like that. The Jews say a span is from your thumb tip to your pinky tip. They're saying that this right there, those eight inches, that's the span. And here's what God says. Isaiah tells us, you want to know how big your God is? The entire universe can be measured from his thumb to his pinky. We can't even get to the closest star. And you're worried if God can take care of you? He measures a universe with a pinky and a thumb. We can't even get a good old shot of Mars. And we've got a God that goes, I see it all. I've got everything intact. That folks, can I just tell you, once in a while, we may just have to do some, some, some hollow and span worship. Once in a while, when those songs go up, we may have to just hold up a hollow, hold up a span, and just say, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are able. When I don't know what to do, every body of water is in your hand. An entire universe can be measured by your hand. And God, we believe, oh God, that nothing is too hard for God. I believe that. I'm, I'm telling you, as, as I was faced with just some decisions this week, we were, we were, I had to remind myself of the hollow and the span, the hollow and the span. God, you are able. You don't just care, but you're able to do something about it. And we had this. I love this choir so much. These are like singing soldiers up there. And we said on, yeah, you can clap for them. So we said to the choir, we said, hey, let's pray on Thursday night together. So myself and the elders. So we we set a seven o'clock prayer meeting to pray with our choir on Thursday night. And some of the elders and I met at six o'clock and our meeting went, folks, five minutes too long. Five minutes. So they were all meeting in our annex. So we got there at 7.05. And I'm telling you, when that elevator door opened and we opened the door to the annex, I'm telling you, this sound of intercession and prayer came and like blew us. Oh, okay. Here's the, you couldn't wait five minutes. They know they couldn't. They got in there ready to seek God. They prayed and folks, I'm telling they prayed that choir prayed like they knew about a span and a hollow. They prayed like they knew God was going to meet them. And can I tell you, when we walked in, we couldn't say a word for 50 minutes. They can tell you that. 50 minutes. Because the presence of God was there. Because when God shows up, I'm telling you, Father, when, when, I'm telling you, when God the Father shows up at a place, it means that some people have realized that he holds it all in the, in the hollow and he's got a span and he is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. And let's dig a little bit deeper because here's the good news. Listen to what the apostle John says in 1 John chapter 4. Listen to these words. He says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And look at this last part. And God, say it with me, and God lives in them. 
If you are a Christian, if you are born again, here's good news. God lives in you. The hollow and the span lives inside of you. He's there. God is in me. God is in you. Folks, why is this important? Okay, let, let me take you back to the waters. Let me take you to the hollow for just a second. Let me take you back to the waters. Think of man for a second. Man at his best attempt to temper steel and to say, we're going to make a sub but isn't it amazing? Man at his best and at his technology and at his ingenuity can bring steel, this, 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 this hard alloy, and bring it all the way down, but only to certain depths. Because if it goes too deep in those ocean waters that are in the hollow of his hands, it tells us, and, 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 it's, been, and it's happened, the water pressure will crush it like a Coke can. It can only go so deep. And man has only enough of, of ability, only enough of ingenuity to go down a certain depth. And after that, it is lights out. That thing will crush like an empty can. And here's what gets me. And then you get some little tiny fish who will just come bloop, 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 bloop. And while man is going, no, carp, ascend. you got some little fish that has no thought, never thinking, well, I can't go down any lower because I may get crushed. The fish going down. Think of its tiny little scales, its little thin body, and never once gets crushed by pressure. What is it? How does, how does man-made can only get down so far but God made can go wherever it wants to go. Here, 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 get ready now. Get ready. Times Square Church, here is your God. Here it is. God created fish with this internal pressure system that corresponds to the pressure on the outside. That as it goes down, what it has on the inside protects it that the lower it goes, the, the, the better the pressure system holds it together. That the God puts something on these little pea brain fish and said, go wherever you want, I got you covered. Swim wherever you want. Man's, man's at his best can only go so far. But when I do it, you can go wherever you want. Now folks, get, 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 get this now. Because there's something in them that keeps stuff on the outside from crushing them. Okay, you just, okay, I'm going to come over here. Here we go. There's something in the fish, except for that one person. But there's something in the fish that keeps the outside pressure from crushing them. Okay, here it comes. Yeah, I like this. Okay. I'll stay, on, I'll stay to my right. So here it comes. We have an internal pressure system. We've got something in us that no matter how deep we go, God goes, mm -mm, not going to let you get crushed. No matter what pressures come from the outside, I've got... 
I don't even know why you're so happy. I didn't even tell you what the pressure system is. Here it comes, and we close. Van, wherever you, just come. Here we go. Here it is. The internal pressure system. Greater is he... That is where? In me. In, in me. Then he that is in. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, stand with me, church. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is telling you today, remember who God is. Like you're saying, you're ignoring me. You don't see God goes, I'm, I'm not ignoring you. I'm in you. Ignoring you. And the reason why you're standing here today is you got a God inside of you that is holding the pressure out. He's holding the pressure out. He's holding this. And while you're... While you're standing here today, forgetting you're standing because God is here. God is in you. God is in you. Every single time, I feel like you're just going to go tapped out, weary. I'm going, and God goes, I'm there. I'm in you. I'm in you. I'm holding those press. Greater is he that is in me. Come on, let's just for a moment get, get that hollow and get that to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. 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 felt that I felt that the pushing, the pushing, the pushing. There, there are times I would just whisper, God, I'm weary. I'm weary. I'm weary. I'm weary, God. No more, no more, no more resources. Tapped out. God goes, I'm still in you. I'm the internal pressure system. And it may get tight, but you won't crush. He is there. He is there. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.